Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Colin Santafe. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. I'm going to just read from Luke 9. And we're just going to read the beginning of verse 28. And it says this About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. So picture this, Jesus comes up, they're praying, and his appearance is transformed and we see Jesus in all of his glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're gonna do. And we know that your word never falls flat. It never goes void. And so today, God, we know that it's just an application away. It's just us leaning into what you have today. And so I pray that you would speak to each and every single person as we explore your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amazing. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to um, to Jordan and Aliyah. They're back from their wedding. I think they're here somewhere. I can't see. Them. Oh, there they are. They're back from their wedding <coughs> a couple weeks ago. And uh, it was in Newfoundland. And actually, Jordan, he asked me, uh, you know, to have the honor of marrying them. And, um, and so he's like, hey, do you want to come to the ceremony? I said, hey, I got to check my schedule. He said, I'll buy your flights. I said, my schedule is open. So <laughs> we went, and um, it, was, it was incredible. Newfoundland is a very interesting place. Now, I'm from the East Coast, okay? So I'm from New Brunswick. And um, just a couple facts that you'll never apply anywhere in your life. So Maritimes, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, Atlantic Canada, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, and Newfoundland. Also, St. John is in New Brunswick. St. John's is in Newfoundland. As a St. Johner, when somebody comes up to me and I say, yeah, I'm from St. John, and they say, oh, you're from Newfoundland? That's like a slap in the face. See, because <laughs> Newfoundlanders, Newfoundland, if you've never been there or never met a Newfoundlander, um, just picture if Ireland had no contact with the outside world for like a half century. That's... That's kind, of, that's kind of what it's like. Um, but hey, the wedding was beautiful. The scenery was incredible. Uh, and it was a really, really special day. And um, one of the things that really sticks out to me about that province, and it really has been on my bucket list to go for a long time, is how beautiful it is. There's these huge fjords and like rolling mountains and the ocean. And it's just like this beautiful, beautiful place. And um, we actually decided as friends uh, to go hiking. And so if you can picture this, this is literally one of the greatest hiking trips I've ever been on, one of the most beautiful trails I've ever been on. It was like this small trail nestled along the ocean. There was like a waterfall. There was like babbling brooks, like the ocean was going. God was speaking straight to me. Like it was beautiful. And then if you can picture it, at the end, it was this huge rocky outcrop that just stood above everything else. And that was the end point. That was our destination. We were heading to this mountain. And now, did all of us make it? No. Is it important to know who didn't make it? No. But if you're interested, it was Sinjari. He didn't make it. He made, he, he made it a third of the way. And that's generous. A third of the way. Sinjari is rounding up to the nearest 100th percent, and uh, it just wasn't the case. But we're heading up this hill, 
And uh, I don't know why, but I literally, as we were walking, I, I like kind of like just darted and just walked by myself because I'm a team player like that. And, and I was so focused on getting up there. And I don't know if you've ever had this where you create an expectation of what it's going to be like when you get to the end point. And I, I don't know why, but I think in my mind, I was feeling it like it was going to be this like crazy montage. There was going to be like the string section that was going to start to come in, a multi-camera pan like going around me. I'm like ripped like the rock, and then I just like fall on my knees, and like it was going to be this incredible moment. Just as a random example, that's, you know, okay, that's just me. I've, nobody ever, nobody's ever had an experience like that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> anyways... But picture this, we get up to the mountaintop, everybody's just confused. We get up to the mountaintop, and I remember we were up there, and it was incredible. It's always something that's satisfying about finishing something. And, and so we get there, and, and we're all just kind of like reveling in it. It's absolutely beautiful. And I was taken back by something as I thought about being up there, is it wasn't like I thought it would be. The experience wasn't what I thought it would be. It was crazy, it was nice, it was beautiful, it was impactful, but it wasn't what I thought. And when I look at this story even, I think so often when it comes to the mountaintops, the story even of the transfiguration ends, starts and ends with just a small excerpt that I read. You know, there's this going to be this incredible moment, and to think about this moment, it's pretty incredible that all of a the sudden these guys go up on this mountaintop and Jesus' full glory is exposed. This would be so incredible and loving and mysterious and just and terrifying and all of it all at the same time. It would have been this incredible moment. And yet I think so often in our lives, this is where our definition of a mountaintop starts and ends. So what do I even mean by mountaintop? Well, ultimately what I mean by that, if I could define it, is I think the mountaintop is the place where the better version of ourselves lives. It's the place where a new opportunity lives, where, where a new relationship lives. It's, it's a place where a new experience lives. We all have this idea of a mountaintop experience, something where when I arrive to this place, whether it's through work, whether it's through relationships, connections, opportunities, when I get to this place, I'm going to get a new aspect or I'm going to get something more out of life. And see, these, these disciples, they come up to the mountaintop, but it's more than just an experience. Because I think some of us, when we look at it, if we try to define a mountaintop experience, we say, and we all have these places in our lives, I'll get this relationship, and then it'll be all good. I'll get a new job, and then that's when I'm really going to have arrived. Once my bank account is at X amount, then I know that success, like I've really attained success. Man, once I get to experience God in this way, then I'll know that I know that I know that he's God. Whatever it is for you, I think we all have these experiences, but the story of the transfiguration, I think, can be an analogy to mountaintop experiences, and the story doesn't just end with the glory of Jesus. And if you're taking notes today, the, the title of my sermon is There's More on the Mountain. There's More on the Mountain. And this is the thing is with the time that we have, I want to talk through the mountaintop. I think we live in a culture that's misdefined what it means to arrive, whatever that is for you in relationships, career, success. We've misdefined what it means to arrive. And I think that there's more on the mountain than we might know. There's more than just success. There's more than just a crazy experience. There's more than just a soundbite and a captured image. There's more to it than that. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. 
Mountaintops are spectacular and sacrificial. Mountaintops are spectacular and they're sacrificial. I think we all love spectacular things. Just look at YouTube. We have this insatiable hunger for, to see people push the bounds of like strength, of intellect, of ideas, and of stupidity, like especially on YouTube. That's the truth. And I think ultimately, maybe outside of the stupidity one, when we see people doing great things, it inspires us to want to be more. It inspires us to want to attain more. And I think if we really boiled it down, if we distilled down everything that's on somebody's mountaintop, it really comes down to three things. You either want to start something, become something, or change something. You want to either start something, become something, or change something. But listen to what this story says. It says, if we reread a bit of it, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. So that's a spectacular moment. Now, if we keep reading, it says, suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began, began talking with Jesus. Okay, that's even more spectacular. And even Luke says, it was glorious, and they were glorious to see. And they were speaking, though, listen to this, about the exodus, about Jesus' exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So there's this glory that fills this mountaintop. It's exciting. It's spectacular. This would be an amazing thing to see. Literally, the guy who gave or who wrote the laws, Moses, the greatest, most powerful prophet, according to like the Israelite tradition, and then on top of that, Jesus is there, and there's this glorious moment. You would look at that and go, man, that is a spectacular sight. I can imagine Peter and James and John waking up to this, being like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. And I think this is where the story ends for so many people. But I think for as much as it was spectacular, we also have to look at what the subject matter was. Right. And so you see these guys in this glorious state, but they're talking about what Jesus' sacrifice is going to be for, hu for a humanity that doesn't even love him. And I think this is the tension on the mountaintop. See, splendor, glory, and sacrifice are married together. And for whatever you want to achieve, whatever that mountaintop looks like, that relationship, maybe it's that career move, whatever it is, I think that we have to both accept that there's going to be glory, but there's also going to be sacrifice on the other side of it. See, there's more to the mountain than just arriving. There's more than just experiencing the best. It's also looking at, do you want to pay for it? Yeah. And in this moment, there's this beautiful glory, but there's also a beautiful sacrifice at the same time. And yet I think our culture, we want glory without sacrifice. We want success without cost. And yet when I look at this story and when I look at people who have done great things, when I look at the life of Jesus, he lived an incredible life, but it was also a life where he gave. It was a life that had sacrifice written into it. And I think so often what we do is ultimately we'll look at all of those things and we'll, we'll look at those three things. Man, I want to become something, right? Or I, I want to, um, or sorry, we'll look at those three things and we'll say, I want to start something. Yeah. And I'll start it as long as it works the first time. Yeah. Man, I want to become something. Yeah. And so I want to become a better version of myself, but I do want to hold on to this thing and I don't want God to touch that. 
man, I want to change the game. I want to see things change, but I want, I want to make sure that that corporate culture, it kicks in and sets in the first time I say it. And see, a lot of us really, when we boil it down, we want the mountaintop, but we don't want the sacrifice that goes with it. We want to change, but we don't want to commit to what change really means. We want to become something more, but we're not willing to let God into those areas of our lives and start to deal with what it means to trust God. And ultimately, I think we need to do that and locate those mountaintops and really ask ourselves a a couple simple questions. One, are you willing to pay the time? Are you willing to really put in time for whatever that thing is? Maybe it's a relationship. Are you willing to actually carve some time out in your week? Man, I want to see this thing change. I want to see my relationship with my wife change. Can you do date night? If you really take inventory of that, there's a lot of people who can't create the margin even for something like that. And I say that because that's been me. I've done that. And I wonder for you, are you willing to actually invest the time, take the time, make the time to see something great happen in your life? You know, I wonder uh, as well, are you willing to pay the money? It's interesting. I'll talk to people and we'll sit across from each other. And they'll be like, man, I just can't do it. It's like, man, well, why don't you pay for school? Why don't you pay for counseling? Man, that's too much money. As they're eating at a restaurant. I'm like, okay, fair. And, and hear me. I know that for some people, it's, it's obviously a different scenario altogether. And, and you really do have some financial things that you're facing off with. But if I could just for a second speak to the vast majority of people. I actually think it's not a money thing as much as it's a margin thing. And if you really wanted to, you could create space. But this is the thing. Really, when we say, I have no money, we say, what we're really saying is, is I don't want to change my standard of living. So I'm not willing to invest outside of what my standard of living currently is to see something different happen in my life, to see something shift in my life, to achieve what I feel like God has put in my heart, that mountain that God's calling me to start to climb. And so I wonder, are you willing to make the time? Are you willing to make the money? And even right now, if you are taking notes, write down that place. Write down that mountaintop for you, relationship. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's just knowing more of God. Are you willing to start to make space? And this is the most important question, and this question trumps the other two. Are you willing to trust God? And see, that's actually an important question that you have to ask. Man, I want to do this crazy thing. God, I want to start this crazy thing. That's going to take faith. And faith is going to take trust. And you know what it looks like? Risk. And I wonder, I know you want the splendor of it. I know you want the glory of it. But for a moment, take inventory of the sacrifice of it. See, on this mountaintop, Jesus is in this incredible state. And yet I love the fact that he shows us that there was sacrifice as well on the mountain. And this is crazy because when you really think about this, of anybody who could take glory for himself... Jesus could have been on that mountaintop, showed his glory, and then said, peace to humanity. And he still probably would have been glorious, in my mind. And yet he chose to still sacrifice. And I think that shows us something about living the best possible life that we can live. Is that it's not a life just achieving something. It's not a life just glory for glory's sake. But it's actually a life going, I want to give something. And when something costs, there's something beautiful that comes out of it. And so the mountaintops, I think both have splendor, but they also have sacrifice. 
And I wonder if you've taken inventory recently in that place where you want to change something, start something, become something, if you're willing to take inventory of that. I love what Luke says. He says, what builder doesn't count the cost before construction? For that thing that God's putting in your heart, what if you started to really break it down and say, man, am I really willing to create the space in the margin to do what God's put in my heart? And then there's a really interesting conversation with God that starts. But I want to encourage you. Mountaintops are more than splendor. They're splendor and sacrifice. Secondly, mountaintops are a fixation and they're fleeting. Mountaintops are a fixation and they're fleeting. So if we keep reading, this is what it says. So after all of this, and, and basically it says they were speaking about his exodus from the world, was, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. In verse 32, it says, Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what even, or not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So what I find interesting about this is, have you ever started to deconstruct most dreams? Just think about it. If you really break down a dream, Man, I'd like to have a house. Then I'll live happy. Man, I want to have a relationship, and then I'll find love. I want to get that job, and then I'll make enough. And have you ever noticed that on the tail end of most of our dreams is just this static future? Like there's just this kind of like, okay, I'll be good. I've arrived, and then nothing. And it's kind of interesting when you really look at what a dream is and when you start to deconstruct it. And we can come into this tunnel vision. And as a result, I think we can miss a lot of what's happening around us. Think about even, like as I was walking up this mountain, I was fixed on one thing on that hiking trip, getting to the top. That was the only thing that I was interested in. And I think so often when it comes to mountaintops, we can become fixed on the wrong things. And what's a fleeting moment can become a fixation. Wow. And, and what starts to just become God's best can start to become God itself. Wow. It's not about God giving me a house. It's actually, no, the house is God. Right. Right? It's, it's not about God giving me a job. It's actually the job is God. Right. And we can become so fixed on the objects and the aesthetics of our lives that we miss the person and the dream giver. And so ultimately, we're chasing after something that we ought not to chase. And is it bad to have, um, you know, a fixation? Is it bad to do any of these things? No, none of those things are bad. It's just when second things are first, they become the worst thing in the world. And so I wonder for you, has your mountaintop become a fixation? Has success become God? Peter, see, he wanted to make a monument of a moment. He looks at this moment and goes, this is greatness. Let's stay here forever. And I wonder for you where you're making monuments of what should only be moments. The house is important, but there's something more on the other side of it, what God is going to use it for. The job is important, but there's something on the other side of it, what God's going to use it for. See, although you should have a vision and you should be fixed, just remember that those moments of success are fleeting in the eyes of what God has called you to do in and through your world, in and through your family, in and through your city. And I wonder, have the objects of the mountaintop become the fixation of your life? Peter wanted to make this moment a monument. And you know, determine, 
determined to live and work hard to create a life, but not at the expense of it. And if there's really anything, one thing worthy of losing your life to in this world is Jesus. And anything else is lost cause. I think also, mountaintops are where your goals meet God. Mountaintops are where your goals meet God. Let's read this again. It says, let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So Peter, he's pretty hyped about this idea. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. Now, I think at some level, we all have goals, right? And let me say off the bat, that's amazing and that's important. And if you're anything like me, beginning, you know, at the beginning of the year, I have all these lofty goals. And then at the end of the year, I've achieved like 30% of them or something. And that's probably generous. Um, you know, even right now, I'm thinking about making some health goals because um, I'm not as fit as I used to be. I literally had a running race with my brothers because I'm 16. Um, and... <laughs> I had this running race with my brothers, and I'm literally paying for it today. Um, and goals are important. And, like, I, I know, like, even in my family, it's like, man, we're very just open and confronting things. There's some people, they have goals. And it's like, man, I don't know how to tell them about their health. It's like, hey, look, you know, Benjamin, like, let's think about other health alternatives. My family's just like, you're fat. What's that about? Like, that's, <laughs> that's just kind of how we operate. But, um, but you, know, you know what goals do? They expose a lot about what you want in life. Goals expose a lot about what you want in life. Man, I want to make money. Why? Uh, To be more generous. But you were generous now, and money just makes you more of what you already are. Right? It's like, man, I want to start a business. Why? To be independent. Okay, but no matter how successful you are, you're always going to be, like, you're going to answer to somebody and you're going to have to de- defend or depend on other people. Yeah. So, so what's really at the bottom of your goal? What's really at the bottom of your mountain? And I'm not going to presuppose that I understand, and there's lots of good goals and bad goals, and I'm not trying to, like, paint that on you and say all of your goals are bad. I'm not saying that at all. But I do know that on the mountaintop, that's when your goals actually have to meet God. Yeah. Think about Peter. He wakes up. He gets this, this opportunity. There's the three most influential people in history standing in front of him. And he goes, man, let's create a space for all of these people. Let's create all of these people and put all of them here. And what does God do? He rebukes them, and there's one person left standing in front of him, and it's Jesus. And I think so often, even in Peter's life, his ambition is all of a sudden met with who God is. And I wonder, if you brought your ambition to the table, what would you see? Because there's only space on the mountaintop for one. And ultimately, it's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be me. And just think about that for a sec. I wonder, if if you never got what was on the mountain, but you just got Jesus, would it be enough? If you never realized the product of your ambition... Could you still call the mountaintop, or sorry, would you still be okay with Jesus just being at the top of the mountain? And I know, quite frankly and honestly, in my life, there's still places where it wouldn't be enough, where I'd have to still wrestle with that. But I think that's the most honest starting point. 
It's going, I've got a mix of goals. I've got a mixed bag of things. And my work is to sift through them. And when I come to a point of success, where I come to a point of arrival, it's going, man, what was in this? What was left in this? Was it really God? Was it really about advancing his purpose? Or was there still some of me left in the equation? And I don't think that that's something to be scared of. I don't think that's something to be shamed on or looked down on, but more to honestly take assessment of and go, what am I doing? But why am I doing it? Why am I actually doing it? I'm gonna invite the band up. But I know that there's places in my life where it would be like that. And Peter comes to this moment. He comes to this moment of realization that ultimately on the top, as great as Moses was, and he was great, he did great things. As great as Elijah was, and he was great, he did great things. There was actually only one thing that should have taken his attention and caught his attention on the mountaintop. And I wonder for you, at the top, at the pinnacle of your success, at the top of whatever it is for you, what's the thing that takes your breath away? What's the thing that captivates your imagination? What's the thing that inspires you and moves you? And I hope for all of us that we would do the work of taking inventory and putting Jesus at the center of it. And this is my last thought. You know, a lot of the time I think if you're reading this story, the story would just end here. But if you start to read on and you go on into the next chapter, there's still a connected piece to this story of the mountain, this transfiguration. It says this in verse 37. It says, the next day after they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus and a man in the crowd called out to him, teacher, I beg you, look at my son, my only child. And this is my last thought, my last point. Mountaintops depend on descent. A mountaintop depends on descent. See, you don't live life in a vacuum. You don't. All of what we do is connected. And actually, the decisions that you make are going to ripple through history. They're gonna affect other people, hopefully in a positive way. But I think we've gotta realize that if you haven't applied the things that you've learned on the mountain, you haven't left the mountain yet. And I love that, that Luke, as he's writing this story, he writes intentionally. He doesn't just jump to another frame. He doesn't jump to another scene. But he says, as they're descending, they start to make their descent down. And Jesus descends down into helping somebody. See, all the moments that we've had, all of the successes and all of the victories that we've had, the richness in life, I really believe, is taking those and investing them into somebody else. You know, I think about, you know, and, and ultimately, if you don't do that, if you don't move from that, what you call a mountain, I call a plateau. Yeah, you know, think about it. Maybe you found somebody and you finally started a life together. Well, I can stop pursuing now. I've been pursuing people and, and now I found somebody I can stop pursuing. It's like, no, your work has just begun. Some wife just went like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> You said it, not me. Like, <laughs> but think about that. Your mountaintop is made for descent. Finding somebody and connecting lives together is just a point in time. But the real value comes from the work of working it out. Man, I'm making more now. Amazing. Use that to help somebody else. How can you give the same advantage that you've received 
from all of the people because nobody's self-made. Nobody got here by themselves. Nobody got here on their own. So what can you do from that moment where you got the job acceptance to then bring some freedom to somebody else? Man, I've experienced God's goodness. I've, I've experienced his provision. How are you bringing that to somebody else? And you might be going, man, but I haven't had a victory. I haven't had a moment like that yet. If you know Jesus, you've already won. You've been on the biggest mountaintop of your life. And I wonder, that victory that you've experienced in Jesus, how are you bringing that to somebody else? How are you bringing that to the people around you? How are you affecting change in your family and your friends? Because you received something on the mountain. I love that, that what Jesus did on the mountain showed his glory, but then he went right down into service with his disciples and said, look, this is how we do this. This is how we serve people. You might've experienced something, but that's a moment in time. And I'm using that mountain for somebody else's valley. And I wonder what mountaintops, what wins, what victories, what progress you've experienced by the grace of God, you're going to use to help somebody's valley. Because there's somebody who is where you were who's waiting for you. There's somebody who's where you were who's waiting for that grace of God to work through you. Listen to what uh, Paul says in Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5. He says, look, all of this, all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us a task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's an incredible thing. And then it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. See, you may not feel like you've arrived, whatever that is for you, but if you found Jesus, you arrived. And actually, God just doesn't have a saving power for you. He has one that's called you to actually make pleas and petitions on behalf of him, to be an ambassador of who he is. There's a victory that's actually inside you that the world needs to know. See, there's a victory that's inside you that your family members need to know. There's a victory that's inside you that your coworkers need to know. There's a victory that's inside you that your grandparents need to know. Whatever it is, I just know that that mountaintop, that point of salvation wasn't just for you, but it's actually about the descent. It's bringing it to somebody's valley. Somebody who's going, I need something. I don't know what it is, but I'm looking for something and you've experienced it. Don't let the mountain of salvation become a plateau. And I think God actually needs to reanimate some people's faith. Faith to believe for the people in their lives. How many people are connected to just this room? Probably thousands. And what might happen if you just move the needle just a bit forward? and you came in with just a bit more intentionality into work and said, man, I'm gonna listen to God. Do something dangerous, I dare you to do this. The beginning of your workday, just say, God, what do you wanna do? That's a scary question to ask. God, what do you wanna do? Maybe even ask a scarier question. God, what do you wanna say to somebody? And see what might happen. See how a mountain that you've experienced could translate into somebody else's valley. I'll close on this. <clears throat> so you've arrived. 
You've arrived in some area of life. But I really believe that that arrival point is to bring something. You got a house, open it. You've got a car, you just started a ministry. You got money, give it. You have a relationship, do the work of deepening it. You've got a life in Christ, surrender it. There's mountains all throughout the Bible. And there are always these dramatic places. And, and you know, the mountain that matters most, I think it wasn't the power that God displayed to Moses when he gave the laws and, and literally a cloud of glory and thunder and lightning came down and enveloped this mountain called Sinai. I don't think it was Elijah when he came on Mount Carmel and he threw it all on the table and then God just took this sacrifice and just ate it up with fire. I think it's a more understated mountain. It was actually just a hill and it's called Calvary. If there's any mountain that can show us how to live life and what life really means, it's Calvary. See, Jesus died on a cross there. He took on the worst of humanity and it was this beautiful, glorious thing, but it was paved in surrender. It's a place that ought to be our fixation. Although it was just a point in history, it ought to be the fixation of our lives. And man, when you filter all of your goals through that, man, this is just extra time. You start to become way more grateful and your goals seem a little bit smaller because the binary in Christianity isn't good and bad, it's lost and found. It's dead than alive. And when you realize that we're living somebody else's life, that somebody took their life and said, look, I'm gonna take your sentence and I want you to live for me. Live the life that I'm not gonna get to live because that's what Jesus did. Man, your goals start to evaporate. They start to dissolve away and how glorious and how great that is. And it wasn't just a moment in time for the people who were around that hill, but it was for every single person who would breathe breath on this earth. If there's a mountaintop that we ought to look to, if there's a mountaintop that we ought to approach and be reminded of, it's a little hill called Calvary. And I think when we filter our ambition and our success, and it's good to have ambition through that, we can live a life that's deep, that's meaningful, that's gracious, that's generous, that's open-hearted. I think it's the best life we can live. We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.